0: Welcome to Ed Council Insights. This is our podcast to provide insights into new developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a school leader, school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you are in the right place. Well, it's great to be back after a little hiatus, a little break from the podcast, uh, but we are clearly back into the school year now. And so it's time to get back into the swing of things here at Ed Council Insights. I hope everyone had a great summer and that you're off to a great start to the school year. It seems, and I'll say this with a little bit of trepidation, but people seem like they're a little bit more upbeat at the start of this school year. And It's a great thing to see. Uh, lots more smiles on the faces of staff and students in school this year, so it's it's wonderful. Well, on that note, uh, let's talk about some legal developments uh, Hopefully those smiles won't go away, but uh, we'll talk about this stuff anyway. Today, I just want to talk about a, a topic that has been uh, its something that's received considerable media coverage, and frankly, we've had a lot of client questions over the past month or so, and that is the topic of sexually explicit materials in schools. Now, this issue stems from I think a couple of different legal developments here in Missouri that are worth mentioning at the outset. First, we did have a number of challenges going back into the last school year surrounding the removal of books from school libraries in several places in a number of different districts and different parts of the state. Some of those challenges were centered on sexually explicit materials. We even had uh, litigation filed by the ACLU. With respect to at least one Missouri school district, and the argument there was that the district had violated the First Amendment rights of students by removing or restricting access to certain books. The second development that has caused a number of questions for schools and school personnel around this issue was the passage of SB 775. Although not the principal topic of the bill, the language was added to SB 775 that And this is codified at RSMO 573.550 for those that have an interest. But the language made it a crime to provide sexually explicit materials to a student if the provider is a person that is a person affiliated with a public or private elementary or secondary school. A lot to unpack there. So I think those two things have really prompted let's just say a lot of discussion surrounding the idea of whether or not we have materials on our shelves, perhaps in our classrooms, that might be sexually explicit in nature and whether or not it should be restricted or removed from those shelves. I thought it was important today to spend a few minutes talking through what these developments might mean for Missouri public schools going into this school year. And I think I will start with this new statutory language that's included in SB 775 and talk a little bit about what I think it might end up meaning for all of us. The statute that was passed makes it a criminal offense for a, open quote, person affiliated with a public or private elementary or secondary school in an official capacity, close quote, to provide, open quote, sexually explicit materials, close quote, to a student. Uh, So there's a couple of key definitions there that you kind of have to unpack to understand the statute. One is, you know, who is it that's going to fall within the scope of this statute, being somebody that's affiliated with a school. And under that definition, it's pretty broad. It includes an administrator, teacher, librarian, Media center personnel, substitute teacher, teacher's assistant, student teacher, law enforcement officer, school board member, school bus driver, guidance counselor, coach, guest lecturer, guest speaker, or other non-school employee who is invited to present information to students by a teacher, administrator, or other school employee. Very broad. It does make clear that the, the term does not include a student enrolled in an elementary or secondary school. Other than that, it pretty much covers everybody in that waterfront of, of persons who may be affiliated. So if one of those persons provides sexually explicit material, I should say explicit sexual material is actually the terminology used in the statute. Well, if you do that, then you have committed the crime under the statute. So what is explicit sexual material? Explicit sexual material it does not really include text. It includes any pictorial, three-dimensional or visual depiction that would include any photography, film, video, picture or computer generated image showing certain things. Now, those certain things that have to be shown in this visual imagery would include Human masturbation, deviant sexual intercourse, as that's defined in the statute, sexual intercourse, direct physical stimulation of genitals, sadomasochistic abuse, or emphasizing the depiction of post-pubertal human genitals. Okay, so basically we're talking about explicit sexual material being pretty broad, uh, but it is limited to basically something that is pictorial in nature. There are some exceptions that fall under the statute, and those exceptions would be that, you know, along the lines, if something is a work of art, when taken as a whole, that has a serious artistic significance, or works of anthropological significance, or materials used in science courses. So including' not limited to materials used in biology, anatomy, physiology or sex ed courses. So we've got some exceptions there. But otherwise, it's pretty broad in the definition of explicit sexual materials under the statute. It does, under the statute, have a mens rea element. In other words, there has to be some level of intent here, and that goes to the issue of the person that is providing it really does have to have knowledge of the content and character of the material. And if they do, they may be violating the statute and committing a crime. Now, this is not something that is likely to be prosecuted aggressively, in my opinion. If you think about it, a prosecutor uh, is not really going to have a a large appetite to weigh in on some of the issues here because there's some gray, I think. And if you're a prosecutor, you're thinking about proving to a jury that uh, this individual engaged in these issues uh, be beyond a reasonable doubt. And with that standard, and let's face it, I mean, persons affiliated with schools are not necessarily the most likely criminal target out there. Uh, our prosecutors and our law enforcement folks have plenty to do without uh, policing this kind of issue. But having said that, I think what can happen, and I think this is foreseeable for a number of our school districts, is that uh, some parents' groups may want to seize upon this language and use it uh, as kind of a weapon in what has been an ongoing discussion about what is appropriate for our school shelves and instructional materials that may not be appropriate for at least some grade-level groupings. That's really the more likely area that that is going to come up. Now, That kind of brings us to the first development I mentioned, and that is the lawsuit filed by the ACLU. And that was filed against a specific Missouri public school district, and it related to the removal or restriction of books in the library setting for that school district. And the claim that was brought this spring by the ACLU really surrounded the idea that students' First Amendment rights were being violated because they were being deprived of access to particular materials at the school. And um, the district had determined, you know, through its processes that are in place at that particular district that, you know, some of the materials should be removed. And I won't go into the ins and outs of that uh, factual case, but uh, it is something that there has been a, a preliminary ruling upon and that the federal court looked at the First Amendment claims that were being asserted by the ACLU. And with respect to that district, determined that, Really, there was not a likelihood that the ACLU's claims would be successful on the merits uh, when it's ultimately decided based on what they had asserted thus far and put before the court. Preliminary ruling, not one that is final and certainly is one that uh, even if it did become final at some point, it would be subject to appeal. But it uh, is something that is favorable to schools, and so it's worth mentioning that you know the court in that in particular instance looked at it and really kind of determined that uh, you know the judge wasn't going to say you know as a single federal court judge wasn't going to substitute uh, his judgment for the judgment of seven elected school board members who had decided that the the materials should be excluded and um, really wasn't going to second-guess that determination by the school. So a good decision there, but it really probably doesn't end the inquiry or end the discussion about where it's all going to go with respect to this development and the promulgation of 775. V. I think one of the things that uh, has to be considered here is that the underpinnings of all of this, there's a an idea that uh, even though the school may be excluding something uh, material because it is explicit in nature, the real reason—and this is kind of what gets asserted—the real reason is that uh, there is a bias uh, within the decision makers to eliminate materials that might be related to or um, you know surrounding the the issues of gender identification or sexuality and the and because of that there i think the concern is that uh, there's going to be this restriction on materials that might go to those sorts of issues and that that the real goal here is to restrict information that might be affirming transgenderism or you know orientation or a number of other issues i think that's beyond the scope of really the statute and really what you're going to probably see from most school boards in terms of their decision-making, it really comes down to, do we have explicit sexual material? And is that, a, is that something that the district's going to allow? Even if it doesn't violate the criminal statute and SB 775 standard that's articulated, a district could, as this case that I've mentioned suggests, you know, a, a board could consider something vulgar and determine that it needs to be excluded. Are there some First Amendment issues that need to be analyzed and discussion of council? Absolutely. But I think that there is room for that uh, to be done by school boards. And I'll be honest with you. I don't consider myself terribly naive, but perhaps I am. I was surprised once this issue was joined over the last six months that of about some of the materials that we find on ourselves in schools. In particular, you know, with the passage of 775, there was increased scrutiny of, um, you know, because it relates to pictorial and, and, or imagery, graphic novels became a pronounced issue. And so, you know, I w- was asked by a number of districts to sit down and kind of make some judgment calls with them on some of their graphic novels. And frankly, I was surprised at some of the materials that we have on our shelves. And it is explicit in nature to a certain extent. In some books, in some districts, and so there's an issue here that probably we all need to think about, and that is that, you know, even if it doesn't uh, <laughs> uh, violate the statute in terms of explicit sexual materials, there still may be a uh, a desire to look at it and say, well, this is really not something that's either age appropriate, or perhaps it doesn't belong on our shelves at all, based on the explicit nature of it. The other thing that I think is important to mention at this point is, you know, uh, I think a lot of districts are struggling with this issue because there are passions all the way around the idea of uh restricting access to books for students. I mentioned that there is this push out there by some parent groups that seems to maybe have as one of its theoretical underpinnings the idea that we're Indoctrinating children into things that they shouldn't be. But I think that we have to look at it from the point of view of, you know, is this something that's just appropriate, regardless of any sort of biases that might be surrounding those types of issues? Now, the countervailing issue that I see is that we have probably not in the past scrutinized the materials that we have on our shelves. To the extent that we really probably should have. And what I mean by that is that, you know, we do have uh, a number of staff members out there in our schools that, frankly, you know, some of them are of the philosophy that nothing should be restricted on our shelves and that children should be, you know, our students, at least at the secondary level, should be given access to pretty much, you know, anything. There are also a number of staff members that probably haven't vetted the materials closely enough when they decided to put them on the shelves in the first instance and the you know the thing that i think has to be considered there is the you know what's the criteria for selection and uh, what is it that uh, results in our librarians selecting some our media specialists uh, deciding to put things on the shelves the um one of the issues there is that we have a number of librarians that if something is uh, given an award. If it is an award-winning book, well, it must be good. And you know that is part of the distribution process. That's part of what publishers do is they promote the idea that the, their particular book has received an award and they they make sure that all the librarians know that and everybody should have a copy of this book because it's an award-winning book. Unfortunately, some of those award-winning books also include materials that you know, your local school board may decide it or not appropriate for yourselves. And so, as a practical matter, when it comes down to it, we probably need to step back and decide, as a school district, uh, and ultimately as a school board, you know, what is it that we think is appropriate, and you know, maybe articulate some criteria and probably need to have counsel involved in making sure that that criteria is is something that is not going to lead to First Amendment claims or problems, and we communicate that to our staff members that are going to be making these kinds of selections. Second thing is we probably need to make sure that we understand our process if a challenge is made by a parent or a student that comes forward and says that, hey, I, I think this is not appropriate. and you know, what is our process and, you know, what what are the steps in that process? Who's going to be involved in reviewing that material to decide if it's appropriate and how's that all going to work? And that's something that I would encourage both school leaders and board members to become familiar with. Hopefully that gives you some thoughts about sexually explicit materials or explicit sexual material on ourselves in schools and I think it's going to continue to be an issue for a while, and we are likely to continue to have some level of litigation surrounding this issue, but as it stands right now, I think that it is within the control of the, of the school district, the school board, to make some of these decisions that you think are in the best interest of your students. Thank you for joining me today, and I'm glad to be back with you. Uh, hopefully, uh, we've given you a few insights to think about with respect to explicit sexual materials in schools and uh, I really do thank you for taking the time today to listen to Ed Council Insights. I hope you'll follow and share our podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes on current legal topics and issues related to school law. I wanted to mention that you should also follow us on Twitter, Facebook or LinkedIn, or you can just check us out at our website, just Google Ed Council. That's E D C O U N S E L, all one word. And you'll find us there. Glad we could be together, and thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights.